Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. I want to tell you, this has nothing to do with my message, but I just feel like we're family already. You are in such a safe place here. I got to hang out with your pastors yesterday, and I, I'm... At, Seems like I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually a very introverted extrovert. So I like to be alone a lot. And, uh, and I'm always with people. And I didn't want to leave them. Like, we got in the car, we drove up, we sat in front of the hotel for a few minutes. And I just kept talking and, like, hanging. Like, okay, well, I guess it's over now. I'll see you tomorrow morning. They were, they, they genuinely, like, love you. And they genuinely have a heart. And I don't say this because they pay me to say this. Um, I don't say anything I don't mean. You'll know. You'll see that. <laughs> I would just be like, they're great. I'm glad you're here. And I would move on. But I felt so compelled to let you know because I know some of you are here for the first time. And I know some of you were drugged here because it's Mother's Day. It's the only day she could get you to come. I feel you. You are welcome here. And you do not have to believe in anything I say to belong here. You just can hang out. And enjoy the child care, because that's why I go to church half the time. I was like, yes, I'll stay for two services because mom needs a break today. You know what I mean? Bless them child care workers. Love them. Don't ever want to be them, but love them. You should be one. You should, sorry, you should help in child care. That's not my swim lane. It's not my gifting, Lord Jesus. But I just want you to know, you, you really are safe here. So if this is your first time here and, and you hate everything I say, that's okay because I never preach here. So you could come back and check it out and it'll be a whole different experience. If you love it, I'm pretty much the girl version. So either way, you're going to have a good time. I, I really am honored to be here and I love what is being birthed in this place. And as I was sitting listening to the three-year journey of Fountain Church. I can't help but think, man, it's like you gave birth. She'd been giving birth a lot, but she had a lot of babies. But, but, but what it means to actually give birth to this place and, and what it requires sacrificially, what it requires financially, what it requires socially and relationally, there is birth that's happening here and you are part of the beginning stages of something very big. Something that's growing because no one can love like that and not have it grow. No one. So, so you are safe. You are good here. And you are part of something. I started to look and think, hmm, I guess you both kind of are mamas. <laughs> both men and women. And, and so I want to welcome you today um, with a happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Because sometimes we need a happy mom day. Because mama is challenging, right? I got a, I, you know, growing up, here's my, here's the deal. Growing up, I was never like the kid that grew up and was like, I can't wait to be a mom. I never wanted to do that. I wanted to get married. I wanted to kiss. <laughs> I didn't even know as a kid that kissing led to babies, but at the time I was just like, I want to get married. I want to be like the princess in the movies. You know, but like kids, no, I never was that girl that liked kids. Even growing up, like to babysit and stuff like that, I was like, I ain't trying to babysit your kids. Like, and I would do it because I needed some cash flow at 12, but like for what? I don't know, the ice cream man, but I would babysit, but it was not, it just wasn't in me. I've never been that kind of nurturing person. I've just never been that. And even as I got older, people would have babies and I'd be like, they're, they're so cute. 
Like, do you want to hold them? Not really. I mean, I don't really want to hold them. I don't want to help in children's ministry. I don't want to go and sit in there. You don't want me in there. Because I'm going to be like, oh, you got to go to the bathroom? I don't know. You're going to have to take care of that. And they're like, well, I'm two, so... You're going to have to help me out here, you know? I just have never had that bone in my body. It wasn't until I was 30, got married, and then on my wedding night, hello, I married a Mexican and an Italian. Apparently, they procreate pretty fast. On my wedding night, got pregnant, and I was like, what am I, what am I going to do? Have a baby and take care of it. And I had no clue what that was going to be like and how to do that. I just didn't have I just didn't have that within me. I didn't have the nurturing kind of you know those people you hang out with and you're just like you were made to be a mom. You know they're just so good at it and you feel bad about yourself all the time. And they're just, but but you look at you're so good at being a mom. I just was not that person. I love my kids now. I have 3 of them. I love my kids. I don't love anybody else's kids. Is that bad? I'm bad, huh? I shouldn't be doing this for the Lord. But I love my kids, and I love your kids. I just love them, like, from a distance. Like, look at you. You can clean your little nose. It's gross, you know? Go clean it up. Then you can come back over, you know? I just, I just was never that person. And so when people ask me, you know, I always get to do the mother, you know, every church, like, I'm going to have you do the Mother's Day talk because, you know, you're a woman, and then... I love churches that'll just have me come preach anytime, you know, that's great, but I always get to do a Mother's Day talk. And as I'm looking through the scriptures, and I'm going, okay, God, you know, what mom do you want me to talk about? And I'm looking, I'm going, looking at Naomi, because she's a little bitter, and I, you know, I feel Naomi, you know? I'm looking at Naomi, no. I'm looking at Mary, because I'm like, Mary's like the best, you know, the best mom. Looking at Mary, you know, no, he doesn't want to talk. And he brings me to this scripture in John 19. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. I hardly ever bring mine either because I just can't in the morning. You know, it's all I can do to get them to, you know how Sunday is. You know, come on, we got to go worship Jesus. <laughs> the kids are like, Ugh. you know, it's just, it's just real right there, guys. It's just real. This morning, I didn't have any kids. I was like, having tea, taking a while to do my makeup. You know, all the things, not, not normally. Normally, I don't look this good. <laughs> Today, you got my best. Uh, but I was reading through the scriptures, and in John chapter 19, this is when Jesus is going to be crucified. Now, this is interesting, right, as this would be a Mother's Day talk, uh, but mm, leave it to me to mm, go outside the box. So I'm reading this. And it's going into all that we know about the crucifixion. If you've never been to church, it's like Jesus 101. You will hear this within two weeks of being in church. Jesus died on a cross. He loves you. He rose again. It's a whole thing. It's amazing. Changed my life. That's, in a nutshell, what happened. But deeper into it, we're watching, I'm reading this about the crucifixion. Here is Jesus beaten unrecognizable separated from his father. We believe that Jesus is king, that he is God and he is Lord. And Jesus came to earth as a man to die for your sins. Yes, your sins, all your sins, all your stuff. And he came and for three years he grew up and then for three years he had a ministry where he just kept healing people, blessing people. And then it came to the pinnacle of why he came, the crucifixion. It comes to the point where he has to be beaten and abused, spit on, and then hung on a cross. 
Even if you don't believe in Jesus, this is recorded history. It's factual. It's not even just something we made up. You can go in any book and read about the man of Jesus. But we know him to be God, Jesus. He gets beaten. He gets hung. Very little is said while Jesus is on the cross because I don't know about you, but I stub my toe and the whole world stops. I was like, oh, God, I need a minute. You know, kids are trying to talk to me. I can't. I can't because there's a lot going on here. You know, I got feelings about things. And Jesus says very, very little because one, he's in pain. Two, he's got, he, him, I don't know what's going on between him and God, but could you, I just can't wait to get to heaven and ask, what were you guys like, what was going on? Was, was God just like loving on you and encouraging you and, and with you? And, and, and there's a moment where God has to turn his back, and, and I want to know how that felt. I can't wait to sit with Jesus and ask these kind of questions because I, I care about these little things. But I know Jesus is in pain because although Jesus is God, he is human, fully human, felt everything. It's not like he was God and he was beaten and didn't feel it. Oh, no, he felt it. Let me tell you, he felt it. Here's the passage that strikes me in John 19, verse 26. It says, when therefore, and this is near the very end, Few more things are said, and then Jesus says, it's finished. He takes a drink of water, and then it's done. Actually, it's, it's hyssop. It's, it's this gross stuff that he has to take. And then he dies. So this is at the end. This isn't at the beginning where the hanging is, is, is fresh. He's been hanging for a while. So even more pain. Yet he sits here, and in verse 26, or he hangs there in verse 26, it says, when Jesus, therefore, hanging on the cross sees his mother, and the disciple whom he loved, which is John. John just says all the time, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. It's, it's just a thing for John. Every word in here is inspired by God, so he had to check with Jesus. He was like, the disciple that Jesus loved. God's like, go ahead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's so hot. Carrie, God's favorite. God's like, go ahead. I think I'm God's favorite. And I'm, I'll fight you for it. <laughs> so John, the disciple, who that had nothing to do with our message, but I just think John's a trip because John's like, the disciple who Jesus loved, know it. Thank you, John. The disciple who Jesus loved, he's th uh, standing nearby and he says to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. And as I'm reading that, it doesn't just, well, whatever. I'm moving on, you know, reading it. And then it just strikes, strikes me in my spirit. And Jesus just strikes into me this word of, of how he stops in the middle of all of his story. In the middle of his pain, moments before he's going to see his father, moments before this is just finally done, and yet he looks down and he sees his mom, who he knows has been widowed because theologians believe that Joseph has already died. He also knows that his brothers, his half-brothers, at this point in the game, don't even believe he's Messiah yet. They don't come to believe he's Messiah until after Jesus raises. Hello. Not even his brothers, because if my brother came to me and said he was the Messiah, I'd be like, please. You know, I've seen you all my life. Ain't no kind of God up in you, you know. So I get James. I feel him. That's all right. That's all right. He came around and did amazing things. James will kick your butt every time you listen to that word. So James is good. But at this point, James does not believe that Jesus is Messiah. So he knows my mom, the woman that took care of me all my life, 
who sacrificed, who had words spoken about her because sure, you had a virgin birth, right? And he looks at her and he knows, I am the eldest. My responsibility is to take care of her, to put her in a good place. And then he looks at John, the one Jesus loved. Because you're going to need a mama like I had. You're going to need someone to walk beside you because, you see, John ended up being the longest living disciple. In fact, he ended up writing by testimony and by vision the last book of the Bible of Revelation. He's going to need some care. There's going to be doubts that he has along the way because he's fighting a big battle. And she's going to come alongside him because she raised the Messiah. And she's going to say, John, don't lose focus. You've got this. I'm with you in this. And John is going to keep going. You see Jesus in the midst of his pain. In moments before, he didn't need to do that. He's God. You came here today, and many of us have this expectation that God is a God that wants you to do and be something and act like something, and yet we got it all wrong. You see, the heart of God stops in the middle of his own physical pain to meet your need. He looks at, Mar at Mary, and he knows there's a need. Who does this? And I start to think, I go, I want a mom like that. I think about my own kids, and y'all, I would stand in front of a car for my kids. I would lay my life down for my children. It's the only people in the world I'd do that for. And I love my husband, but you don't have to go see Jesus before I do. There's no, there's no biology there, so I did not birth you. <laughs> but my kids, my kids I would, I would die for. So Jesus starts to speak to me, and he starts to say, Carrie, I am father, but I am mother. I meet needs in you that you never even thought you had or you never even knew you had. In fact, in Genesis 3.20, I'm all over the Bible today. Thank you, Lord. The Bible gives us hope. In Genesis 3.20, it says this, now the man, this is after they are going to be cast out of, of the garden because of the sin. That's a whole other story. Come back. That's a great one. Uh, now the man came, um, called his wife. So Adam called his wife Eve because she is the mother of all living things. And I was like, motherhood was established early on. From the very beginning of time, motherhood was established. In fact, I looked a little more and I started to go, well, Lord, what about Adam? What was his responsibility? And he says to me in Genesis 2, verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. You see, when I think of a good mommy, I think of someone who nurtures, someone who cares, someone who, who sees something small and encourages it to grow. This isn't a woman thing. This is a human thing. We have been called from the beginning of time, so guys, you don't get off today. Welcome to the party. I know you're daydreaming about guns or whatever you guys think about. And they're like, oh gosh, you're talking to me today. Like, yes, I thought it was Mother Day and I could sleep. Moms, you can sleep in here today if you want. That's all right. Men, no, you cannot. Wake up. 
From the beginning of time, Jesus, God, and Jesus looked down and said, I want you just to sit and receive. I want you to cultivate. I want you to nurture. I want you to bring life to what I have created. That is not gender specific. That is human specific. That's a human thing. For me, growing up, I didn't, I didn't have a good mommy. I just didn't. I didn't have a mommy that was able to sit and cultivate and nurture what God had given in me because her own brokenness ended that part of her life. It, it, it was all she could do was love me the best she could, and that was unfortunately very little. I love my mom. She was kind. She was very kind. She loved me the best that she could. I've come to terms with that now. It took me a long time. But she loved me the best that she could. Growing up, I was constantly, I didn't know this at the time, I know this now, but I was constantly looking for a mom. I was constantly looking for that void that I had in my heart to be filled. And looking over the course of my life, even from the time I was little, God brought people into my life to fill that area. I remember being about six or seven years old and a woman who couldn't have kids, her name was Linda Tamazian. She would take me into her house. She taught me how to like crochet, all the things I don't do today. But I was like, that was fun at the time and now I'm like, Lord, please, no. But she taught me how to crochet. She taught me how to like paint. I went on a road trip with her. I remember wanting to go to her house so much because it felt like home. It felt like mommy. And my mom, I'm sure that hurt her because she would see that and know she couldn't meet that need because in my mom's heart, there wasn't malice or anger. She just was broken. As I grew up, I remember being in high school and other, going to other families and moms feeding into my life because y'all, I was a hot mess because when you're raised in brokenness, you walk out brokenness, you know? So drugs were in my life, all kinds of crazy, stupid stuff I happened in my life. And we could get into that another time, but it's not the point of the story. The point of the story is a hot mess and Jesus just kept bringing people into my life. I didn't see it like that at the time. I just saw it as, oh, I like to hang out here. Looking back, God has reminded me, oh, I will interrupt any story at any time to meet a need that you have. I know for many of you today that today, it's not an easy day. Mother's Day, for those of you that are rock solid moms, I am so thankful for women like you. I'm so thankful that this is a gift that you know how to nurture. I'm gonna ask you today, especially at the end, please don't keep that to yourself. You were not meant to just mother the babies that are in front of you. You were meant to mother the person sitting next to you, your neighbor, the person in your workplace. It is instinctually in you, and men, I speak that over you too. My mom, who, like I said, was very broken. You know, when you believe lies for a really long time, they start to become your truth. That's why I want you to hear truth today and the character of Jesus, that Jesus will meet every need you have and he will change your story from broken to redeemed. I promise you, I am a living testimony. Your pastor is a living testimony. Hello. When he picked the least of these, he was like, let's go, right? <laughs> I, God wants to meet you in that place. As my mom started to believe these lies for so long, 
it came to the point that my mom truly believed she was worthless. I failed my kids. She's left my dad. She's living alone in isolation in her little apartment. And the lies were so strong that that day my mom decided I'm no longer worth living. And you think, why would you say that on Mother's Day? Because the reality is all too clear that for some of you, it was all you could do to get here today. You did not want to come. Because you know in your heart of hearts that you haven't had the mom you wish you had. You can't put on Instagram the picture of your mom because that would be false. You can't put the picture of your kids on Instagram because you haven't been able to have children. So today you come here and you barely made it. So I say that story because I want you to know this is a place of refuge for you. You were able to come here today and God wants to meet your need. You see, God gave you a desire to be loved and to love. That wasn't a mistake. It was from the beginning of time. God gave you a need to be loved by something and to then love something. And you go, well, I wasn't loved well, Carrie. I wasn't treated well, Carrie. So what does that mean for me? That means that she was broken. And let me tell you, if she could tell you today, she would say, I'm so sorry. She did the best she could. And I know it doesn't feel right. And I know it feels wrong. And I know it's had strong strongholds over your life, but I want to tell you, release her today because it's not worth it anymore. And start asking for what you do need. Lord, I need someone to come into my life to fill the void that has been there. At 30 years old, my dad met a woman who was only 10 years older than me, prettier than me, and had a Five billion kids. Like she had so many kids, five only, but it felt like five billion <laughs> because they were all under the age of 12. And I was 30. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I had issue with my dad marrying Kimberly. I was like, come on, find someone your own age. You've got issues, dad. And he was like, I love her and I gotta marry her real fast or she's gonna leave. I remember meeting Kimberly for the first time, and she is like the happiest person you've ever seen in your life. Like, I'm not kidding, like, just too happy. <laughs> like cartoon birds on her shoulder, rainbows, glitter just comes out of her mouth. You're like. And I was just throwing every hate vibe you could get. I'm like sitting there at the table. My husband, who's an introvert, is having to carry the whole conversation. Poor guy. He was so tired afterwards. He's like, i got to take a nap. Like, that was just too much. <laughs> Sorry, honey. I, just didn't, I, was, I was, like, bent on not liking her. Not trying to fill my mom's spot, you know? I mean, that wasn't really hard to fill, but I, I was like, you're not trying to fill it. You're young. You're too young. Over the course of a year, my dad married her, and over the course of the year, Kimberly chose to love me in ways that I never even knew I was lovable in. I remember I would introduce her and say, this is my stepmom, Kimberly, and she would say, hi, I'm Carrie's mom, Kimberly. And I'm not saying anybody, you know, if you're a stepmom here, you know, tread lightly, you know. I'm not saying do that. 
But God knew what I needed. God knew that I needed somebody to claim me as their own because my mom had a very hard time claiming me as her own. You see, God stopped in the middle of what he has going on in all the cosmos and all the stories, and he looked down and he saw little old Carrie at 30 years old trying to mother a four-month-old baby, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't know how to, I'm like, hey, shake hands, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. I have a mom take care of me. I didn't have a mommy do that. And God brings Kimberly into my life, who is only 10 years older than me, so she has a lot of energy. She has a lot of time. She just wants to hang out and chat and talk because she's not tired like I am now. <laughs> and she wants to help me. And, I, and I, st I was rejecting it. I was rejecting it. And God's like, Carrie, behold your mother. And Carrie... Kimberly, behold your daughter. She already had seven, five. She had, see, I don't even know. She already had five kids. Why does she need one more? It was not a thing for her. In fact, not only did this only 10-year-old woman, because I was like 30, so she was only like 40, and I had a little baby, she started to tell everybody on Instagram, everywhere she could, look at my grandbaby willingly sacrificing her youth to say, this is my grandbaby. I didn't even know I needed that, you guys, but God did. God said to my heart, where I have you going, you're going to need more. Just like he must have looked at John. I love you so much, John. You're going to need a mom to mother you where you're going. It's going to be a hard road, and I'm going to meet you in that place. Today, for you, like I said, I, I know it, it can be a hard day. That today comes with loss of expectations. It comes with incredible amount of woundedness and grief. And I want you to know, I understand what that feels like. Because even today, waking up and giving this message and stuff, I can't help but think about my mom. Because she's my mom. She might not have been the best mom, but she was my mom. And I'll tell you this one time, my mom, who would lock herself in the room most times, she had mental illness and eating disorder, and it was just a, a tough road for our family. I remember coming in late at night, strung out, it's like 2 a.m., I'm sure, or later, I don't even know. It was all dark in the house, and I go up the stairs, and I see the door is a little bit open, and my mom is there on her knees and she's praying. And I remember thinking, she's so dumb. That's so dumb. Why would you pray? I mean, come on. Like, I kind of am too far gone. I can't help but think she couldn't give much because of her brokenness. But she knew who could give more. And she would pray to God. And I believe, I believe, you know, she's the one that led me to Jesus. Four years old, on her bed. <laughs> I know Jesus because of my mom, and I think that I stand here today because of the prayers of my mom. So for me, today is a mixed bag. And it's okay to grieve, and it's okay to be sad. I want you to know you're safe here, and this is a refuge for you. If you just need to grieve that, you need to grieve that. But I want you to know and hear this that the desire you have in your heart to be loved 
And the desire you have in your heart to love, it's not something you made up. It's something that came from the beginning of time that we just read about, that it's been instinctually in your DNA from the very first person that was ever created. And so what you feel in your heart, I want to have kids. I want to be a mom. And I know that the expectation is, why can't I have the baby I've wanted to have everyone else's? And I can't have that. And I want to tell you, I am so sorry that that's part of the story. It hurts. I've walked with many friends through that. And I ask you today to bring that sorrow before the Lord because it's safe in his hands. But that desire that he has given you has not ended because the story isn't the way you thought it was supposed to be. You see, that desire you have to love far beyond this and far beyond that baby goes beyond, beyond what you physically can give. You know how many mamas I have? <laughs> you know how many women that have poured into my life? In fact, I used to say I don't want to be a mom, and then I look over the course of my life, I've nurtured. I nurture as I pastor. I nurture as I sit knee to knee when I counsel. I am a mama. I've always been that. And it might not have looked the way I thought. In fact, I didn't have a mom that could love me, but it didn't look the way I thought. But then God changed everything. He goes, I know it's not the way you thought. And I know it's not the way you planned. And I know that there's heartache. But I will stop in the middle of my story and I will never leave you lacking. And I will meet you right where you are. And I will provide. I know that today is a little hard. But I want you to know you were made and you were called to mother. Not just you ladies, but you men. I'm going to speak to you men for a second. Hello, wake up. I'm back talking to you. <laughs> there are, I want, I want to give you a little free tip. This is, going to, this is going to change your life forever if you obey it. I'm going to tell you how your wife's brain works. Your friend's, that's a girl, brain works. Your mama's brain, your daughter's brain, your sister's brain, your neighbor's brain, that's a girl. This is how it works. They desperately want to be seen. We live in a world where there is so much comparison and we feel invisible all the time. And there is a voice inside us that speaks so many lies. It's so loud. It happens the moment we wake up and it's really loud when we go to bed at night, when you hit the pillow and you crash, when we're up for like two hours contemplating the world's problems and you don't want to talk, but we do. Her brain is just going a mile a minute, and God is speaking truth into her mind, and it's hard sometimes to hear it. But let me tell you what you have to offer. There is nothing more powerful. I don't care about all this, like, we're gender, blah, equal, and blah, yeah, we're equal, but we need a man's voice in our life. We do. There's nothing more precious than when my dad, not even just precious, but empowering, when my dad speaks to me, I am 42 years old. I know that's shocking. You guys all thought I was 20. But <laughs> I am 42 years old. And literally, my dad just called me yesterday or two days ago. And he said, you know, he knows I'm speaking somewhere. My dad's busy, very busy. And he calls me and he says, you know, I was just thinking about you and you're going to go preach. And I just, I cannot be more proud of you. You, you are just so gifted. I am in the car at Flame Broiler in the parking lot, bawling my eyes out. Yes, Flame Broiler, because that is delicious. 
And I'm bawling my eyes out because his words speak powerfully to me. When my husband comes alongside me and speaks words of life over me, and he's like, Carrie, you got this. I'll see you. I got the kids. I'll see you when you come back. I'm praying for you. Text me this morning and called me last night. I'm praying for you. Baby, let me pray for you right now. He prays for me and he speaks strength over me. And I start to get a little stronger. I start to mother a little better. Plus, he gets benefits of him being nice to me. That's always a win. Can we talk like that in church? A little bit, yeah. My brother, who is 20, and, I, and I'll stop with this, but my brother, who's 20 years old, we found out some heavy news in our family, and my brother, who's 20, who's, you know, just 20 and dopey, and I don't know, just, I don't know, a dumb 20 kid here, he's just kind of dumb. I love him, but he's just a, you know, muscle head. He writes me, and he just says, hey, I know that news was a little tough. I just want you to know I really love you. I'm just so glad you're my sister. This is not my biological brother. This is Kimber, one of Kimberly's billion kids. <laughs> and you know what that text did to me? Put my shoulders back, still a little taller. I can handle this. God's got this. I can handle this. Man, I want to encourage you. The world wants to tell you that your voice is not mattering, that it's stupid or it's small. I, I can't tell you how opposite that is. That it is a powerful word that you have. Even in the midst of your brokenness, it is a powerful word that you have. So here's my encouragement to you. What are you supposed to be nurturing? What has God called you to nurture? What has he called you in front of? And I know you were looking this way because you thought the story was supposed to be like this, but God is directing your steps and he's saying, I know this is hard, you gotta let this go, but what I have in front of you is gonna bless you. Psalms 41 through three says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the muck and the mire and he put a new song in my mouth and a new story in my life. And now I stand on a firm foundation. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord because of my story. Jesus is stopping in the midst of the heavens right now. You are here for a reason. Don't mistake that. You didn't just come because it's your church or your mama told you to come or you came for your grandma. You are here because God wanted to have a meeting with you. And he wanted to say, there's some things in your life that are keeping you from me. There's some things in your life that have tainted the way you see how I love, and he wants to change that right now because only God, Jesus Christ, who would hang on a cross, would stop in the middle of all that pain right before he's ready to see his father and stop and say, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. There's a need that needs to be met. He wants to meet your needs today. He wants to empower you today. He wants to birth in you new vision and new life and a new story and a different path. Are you open to that? Are you opening, open to hearing that? It will bring freedom for you. Forgiving my mom brought freedom for me. Allowing the new path to be paved brought freedom for me. Today, God wants freedom for you. If you came here today and you don't know Jesus and you just showed up 
this was a great day to come because God wants you to know he'd stop in the middle of any story and he will meet you right in the midst of your grief and your pain because Mary was undone with grief. And he met her. He looked at her in the eyes and he said, I will never leave you lacking, Mary. I will never leave you, Mama, as I go to heaven. I will put you in the arms of someone I care about and they will minister to you and one day we will see each other again. For you today, this is your chance. This is your chance where God is opening up the heavens and he's looking down at you and he's going, hand it over, surrender what is blocking you. And for some of you, he's saying, I know we have never met, but I have been with you your whole life. I have been walking with you and I see it all and I love it all. I love all of you.